everybody. How y'all doing? I'm Ben. And this is Dak. And we are the guys who did this. This is the first ever episode of our new podcast where we will be diving into the Expanse book series and TV show and giving our opinions and analysis of the themes and characters of this epic sci-fi tale. For this episode, we will be starting our series off with the prologue and chapters one through five of book one titled Leviathan Wakes. Warning, we will be covering adult subjects and discussing spoilers for both the books and the show. All right. And with that, we are going to start with our chapter review. Um, We're going to start with the prologue. Uh, The prologue and each chapter subsequently has a different POV. The the prologue, our, our point of view character is Julie Mao. Julie Mao, we immediately figure out, is trapped in a closet on the ship, the Scopuli. Um, her and her crew have been taken captive by an unknown group of pirates. It, I guess it's assumed in the very beginning. Militants. Um, yes, some some sort of some sort of group, or they initially also may have assumed that it might have been an Earth or Martian navy, but I think they pretty quickly realized that it wasn't them. Um, so she she's trapped in this closet, and we kind of go back and review all. It, it says immediately that she's been trapped in this closet for eight days, and then we go back to review all of the days that she's been trapped. So uh, they're going through day one, day two. She is in the closet. She's making no sound. She can hear, um, you know, the the people on the ship kind of walking around. She's trying to just make sure that she doesn't get their attention so that they kind of forget about her. Um, we don't actually know why she's in the closet yet, but we do figure that out in a little bit. Um, eventually, day three, she I believe it's day three, she ends up risking a little noise and movement to take a drink of water from an old suit that is in this closet. The water is described as warm and loamy, which yeah, is that was pretty nasty. nasty. Yeah, absolutely yeah. gross. Um, but she needs water because it's been a couple of days. So um, there's also a lot of discussion of, of bathroom stuff and what she has to do in this closet. And I'm not going to go into Lots that. Lots of pee. Um, that would probably want me to go into it. She pees in the gonna... suit. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, I, I don't even, I just don't want to touch on it because, uh, it's a lot in my opinion. Um, right off the bat too, right on page one, it's brutal. It's brutal. The, she gets the water. Um, and she, after that is, is quiet again, uh, for another day. So we get to day four and this is where the first, the first action happens. Um, she, she hears people kind of coming up and walking by her door. Uh, she attempts to call out. She kind of realizes that her voice is so dry and her throat is so kind of chapped from no water that she she has no voice um she hears her crewmate dave kind of um uh, kind of pleading with with some of the the pirates and their captives to you know he's saying like please no please no and then she kind of hears the airlock go and he's not pleading anymore so dave got spaced which in this universe means you get thrown out the airlock and they basically just dump you and you die so that is something that, you know, the threat of getting spaced is something that, that different people will use in this series quite a lot because it's a scary thing. It's a big thing, especially um, for Belters. Um, right. That's, it's like the, yeah, I feel like that they're all scared of that, in yeah. my opinion. Yeah, but the, no, the like, Belters like to do it, though. They're like oh, the, the Belters the, like to do it, yeah. The, the, that's the kind bad of their people. thing. Yeah. Yeah, they don't shoot guns as much, which we find out later, because if you shoot a ballistic, it might <laughs> poke a hole in your... In your whatever's keeping your air in so that makes sense <laughs> well that makes sense um 
so she ends up being pretty happy that she didn't call out. She's like, well, RIP to Dave, but I'm still alive. Wow. So that's good. I'm assuming right? right there. She'd be happy. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be happy. I mean, again, RIP to Dave, but I'm different. Um, Fair. So we, we learn after this, Julie is kind of thinking to herself, we learn that the sh- her ship was carrying data related to an organization called the OPA. Um, we're going to touch on them more later. We learn about what this what this organization is and what they do um, later. In actually, in this in this episode, we'll we'll talk about it. But it's a couple chapters from now. Um, but suffice to say that she, her, and her crew are a part of this group, and they did have data uh, for this group on their ship, and they wiped it when these guys came on board. Um, eventually, she reminisces also about when they first got captured, how her whole team, they rolled over like dogs, and she's a little, I think she's a little peeved about that. That's what it seems like to me. Maybe and the captain. She kinda, yeah. Yeah, the captain's like, no, it, yep. Whatever okay. you want, man. Take all your stuff. <laughs> Take all the stuff. And she kind of fought back for a while, and she's kind of a badass. She, like, took a few out. She's, like, doing her, she, she revealed to, she's uh, a jujitsu person. She has been doing it for years, and so she took a couple out, and then she got like a metal fist to the face and and they threw her in a closet. So we learned why she's in this closet. They threw her right in there and seemingly forgot about her. Um, eventually, we get to day six and the the whole ship it has gone quiet. Julie kind of comes to after going in and out of, of consciousness, kind of sleeping through the day and night. Um, and she when she kind of really comes to, she kind of she listens and she realizes that the ship's drive isn't on. All ships have a drive. We'll talk about this drive later in this episode as well. Um, but it makes noise. It's like background noise all the time. And if you don't hear it, it would probably be a little concerning because your ship can't go anywhere if it's on or if it's not on. Um, so she freaks a little bit, but then she's like, wait, I'm still breathing. So I guess I'm some, the ship isn't totally shut down. So she spends another day waiting and listening. Um, she eventually attempts to break out day seven. She like she kind of screws her, her legs up pretty bad. She realizes that she hasn't like stretched out or moved her legs much in a couple days. And so she like tries to kick and her legs kind of spasm on her. So she she takes a day off and then day eight, she does eventually break out of her her closet cell. Um, so freedom, freedom for Julia must feel great. She still needs food, by the way. I don't. She is not eaten, but you can you can survive a, a long time without food. Actually, I don't think um, it even talks about her going to get food. I guess we just have to assume. I mean, that she went to go microwave some. You, some pretty hot sure people do something. like thirty day fasts with just drinking water, um, hmm. and maybe they eat like some vitamins or something. But I this do, is all do, just do, coming do, out do, of my butt. But. <laughs> <laughs> But okay. I feel like that's a thing. So okay. I if mean, you guys want to try it. So if you've been locked in the closet for eight days, you're you're not immediately going to so you're not immediately the going thing, to the pantry. Have you done fast before? The thing about fast is once you like a twelve hour one. Once you break um the initial like hungerness, it's it's like kind of like sleeping where you get over that hump of like staying up and then you're like, whoa, second oh, wave. And then you that's don't like need what, to sleep for a week. That's kind of like what food is. Hmm. And maybe I'm overstating it. I don't know. Who's to say? I'm, all right, I'm I'm not gonna let you have that one, but I'm glad that we talked about it. Yeah, <laughs> same. <laughs> so she, assumedly, she goes and grabs a granola bar, maybe a cup of coffee, um, and she is starting to explore the ship. The ship seems to be totally empty. No people, none of her crew, none of the the pirate people, whoever they were. 
Um, and she, as she continues to explore all the different decks and levels of the ship, she's getting more and more worried. Um, she's starting to freak out a little bit, like, like what, what is happening here? What the hell's going on? Where is everyone? As, as one would. Mm-hmm. Um, she eventually gets to the, the kind of the, the, the lowest level of the, I, what I assume is the lowest level. I think it was the lowest level of the ship, or maybe the most obscure level, like the hardest to get to, which is the, the engineering deck and the reactor room. Um, in the, in the, in this deck and in this kind of like space, she notices that there were, there's signs of a struggle. Um, there is, there is some blood around here and she tries to open the door to the reactor room, but notices, I mean, she doesn't notice that she realizes this as she tries to open it, um, that, that the door has been locked from the inside, which is a weird <laughs> thing. Um, normally the reactor room door would not be locked from the inside because people will need to get in there every once in a while. Um, also that means somebody was like locked themselves in. Yes. And obviously like... the, right, <laughs> someone must have locked it and been inside. Yeah. Um, weird, which seems not ideal and also strange. Um, she goes and grabs like a blowtorch. She uses it to cut through the door to, to get inside the reactor room. She, the door opens and it smells like blood immediately. Uh, and she's like, oh, no, this probably isn't good. Um, it's, a, it's a big room. The, the engineering deck is kind of described as like a big vaulted cathedral. Um, and the fusion reactor, which powers the ship, is kind of right in the middle. The, the, this fusion reactor is covered in what Julie seem, thinks is a mud-like substance. Um, she notices that there's tubes running through it with certain parts pulsing. Um, she she comments Not. that it looks like flesh. It looks gross, basically. Um, eventually, she she notices a section of the mud. It's kind of like sort of like shifting and moving slowly towards her, and the the form of her captain's head kind of appears in this mud stuff on the reactor. And it's her it's her captain Darren, uh, <laughs> his head, and he, he says, "Help me" to her. So. Pretty strange. Very creepy. This would be this would be a strange thing to experience, in my opinion. Yeah, stranger <laughs> um, thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that is the that's the end of the prologue. So, that's our introduction to Julie. That's our introduction to the scopuli, uh, and that is our introduction to this weird mud stuff. Which I don't know. It it's seems great. important. Maybe seems like it might. Uh, seems like it might come back. This up is basically our um, our White Walker intro. Uh, oh yeah, I you're can, right. Uh, it's very similar. It's very similar. To, yeah, Game like of Thrones. Yeah, which is yeah. Uh, it's good because yeah, you. It's not like none of. The, I guess Julie's kind of a main character, but like uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. it just introduces yes. you to the the big baddie, the big problem, and it's very creepy. No, and that's a good shout. Semi super. Yeah, it is. It is creepy, and it's interesting. Here we immediately have like a. Julie calls it a mud-like substance, which makes sense in the in you know once we figure out more about what this what this yeah. mud stuff is and in the show obviously it's a visual medium and they make it like pulsing blue and it looks very different than what the the books describe so yeah like, it, you know it really changes kind of what you're i don't know I they of, make it look way more alien in the in the show i guess right. and in the in the books i think it's a lot more of a like a grosser thing to look at and experience yeah it's more and, like muddy flashy like i don't know like in the show i, I kind of like how they did it in the show because it is more like alieny but um right but yeah here it's it's definitely more disgusting and the show isn't not disgusting too because it's like 
Like they show in the show, they show whole body parts, just like still the head, yeah, the head's thing, and the head's like yeah, coming out of it and stuff. That's not um, good. Which was very freaky. Yep. Uh, but uh, but they look at way, they make it look way more alien. Yeah. Than yeah, it, for than sure. It is in this book. Yeah, it's definitely which is definitely hard to grosser. remember because you I all I do is now is picture it as like this pulsing neon blue. Yeah. Crap. Yeah. The it's it's hard not to when you see the show, but uh, right. Right. Yeah. No, great, great prologue. Love it. Um, yeah, I guess we can get into chapter one then. The The first chapter is at the point of view of our, our buddy, James Holden. So uh, the first part of the chapter is basically him daydreaming, um, and it gets a little exposition on um, Epstein Drives and the people colonizing um, the Outer Belt, which um, we'll touch on later. Uh, but... As he's daydreaming about this, uh, his chief engineering officer, Naomi Nagata, um, is ex- explaining to him an issue with the, the Knight, which is their, their short-range shuttle on the Canterbury, which is the ice hauler that James Olden is the XO of. So Great now shit. that I've confused all of you, um, yeah, in the, it's called the Cant for short. Um, important note here probably Naomi is a belter James Holden is an earther um, and belter obviously is from meaning they're born in the belt they're very lanky and and weird um, and James Holden is an earther so he looks looks normal um, but again we'll get into that wow. later looks oh, normal. wow yeah Jeez, that was really bad <laughs> oh You're I can't believe I said that book. oh no <laughs> Oh no. I feel dirty. That Jeez, <laughs> that was dude. wrong. That's like yeah, I don't know. I just like picked up a, a tan crayon and called it skin color right there. That was bad. <laughs> that was bad. All right. Moving on. So any but yeah, a lot of this chapter is introducing the characters. So Naomi and, and James Holden are talking about the night, which is a little bit of foreshadowing to uh what's gonna go on later. Um uh, James, Hol- James Holden knows Naomi's a good engineer, so he's like, I, I think you got this covered. Um, and Naomi eventually gets called away to help Amos, which is her, again, another Earther assistant who's a mechanic. And um, yeah, basically her her assistant. We'll, we'll get into more of his character in a sec. Uh, but uh, then leaves Holden alone. He's he's left to quickly think about either going up to his his boo thing, his girl, uh, Aid, as I like to call her, Aid Takumbo. Uh, what? How do you how do you pronounce her name? I I think it's like Ade. Ade yeah, that sounds Ade more right. Something like now that, that like I mean, it sounds better. Is, at they least. say she's Nigerian, so I'm assuming Definitely that Nigerian. it's pronounced like that. Something like that. I don't know. I don't yeah. Know. That's so best so basically. I, yeah, I don't think it's aid. I just don't think it's it's, aid. it's probably not aid. I'll, I'll flip back and forth um, between aid and Ade just so we get a good mixture Perfect. of them both. Yeah, that'll be really good for everyone that listens. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, he thinks about going up to Ade, uh, but then it's like, nah, I should take care of business first. Heads out to the med bay to see our boy Shed, um, Shed Garvey, who's the the medical doctor on the camp, the ice hauler, uh, is tending to Cameron, who had the uh, the luck of getting his arm pinched off by a zero G iceberg, um, which they they describe as happening quite a bit uh, as far as injuries go. 
um, limbs getting pinched off because you're you're shifting a lot of weight out there in zero g and it's just kind of floating into things and it could hit your arm off um yeah so this this iceberg to be it's a literal it's a massive like chunk of ice from one of the moons of saturn i believe it's just i they describe it as like ice floating out in the rings of saturn it i've really looked up oh floating in the rings um 30 ton block of ice 30 ton block if there are ice in the rings yeah but yeah it's it's massive um and yeah maybe we should say that they're basically hauling it back to um they're going out to Saturn, picking up this ice in this ice hauler, which James Holden is the XO of, executive officer, basically vice captain, vice president of the of the ship. Um, the assistant to the regional manager. Yep. And they're bringing it back to the belt or space station so they can have water is basically the whole, the whole premise. And we got this Cameron guy who pinched his arm off. Um, they're talking about how he's going to get some cool force feedback pressure sensor prosthetic. Or Cameron. Um, they make some masturbation jokes about uh, how we can masturbate and it'll feel like someone Classic. else is doing it. You got to get those in. I like Holden's reaction. He's just like, okay. That's <laughs> like, interesting. That is interesting. <laughs> so, I mean, Cameron is our closest Anakin slash Luke person in this yeah. book with the arm. That's just like an important thing to note, yeah. in my opinion. Another important uh, thing I, I want to get in here. There's some... Uh, they're really show the the racism i guess between belters earthers martians here because they talk about how earth has the technology to basically kind of not regrow the arm but kind of regrow the arm it's like a an organic prosthetic um that would be basically get it back to almost almost normal and the belter guy or cameron who is a belter is like i don't want that earth or crap <laughs> i am i'm going with this good made belt belt stuff uh mm-hmm. so it, it kind of shows the where where these uh, societies are at in their, uh, I guess the tensions between the groups. You definitely there's definitely a lot of uh, a lot of racism going on. A lot of tension. A, a lot, lot of tension, tension over tension. a short amount of time. Um, Which you know, when whenever there's colonialism involved, it happens. Yeah, there's yeah. usually tension. Yeah, that seems like a common thread. Yeah, and with for that, sure. I just want to do a direct quote from the book here. Um, Give it to me. Apparently, there's a period while you're still building identification with the prosthetic when whacking off feels just like getting a hand job. So that we're gonna yeah leave that there. That's what you need. I'm mm-hmm. glad we. I'm glad we got the exact quote. <laughs> um, Perfect. So after Perfect Holden <laughs> verifies that uh, Cameron's all right and is hopefully gonna be back by by the next mission after a short after their short stint on I believe I don't know what they're going back to series or something um he goes off to visit aid or ade there it is is. uh so so ade is is working alone up in navigation she's the the navigation officer i believe that shouldn't be a question she is the navigation officer um so she's up there looking busy uh looking out for captain mcdowell to make sure she has to look busy Holden comes up and sneaks behind her, gives her a little cute, pull the earphones off and says hello, guess who type thing. Um, then he asks uh, if she want if she wants to go on a date tonight or a little uh, little dine, a little dining, a little chatting. To which she quickly replies, "Nah, dude, I'm in this for the sex." She quite literally states that, like, "No, yeah. 
No, um, uh, like really, like, I mean, no offender butts about that. Shut down hard, but like, they're still boning. Like, you gotta you do know, what you gotta do. I mean, you gotta state your intentions, people. This it's is tough for Jimmy, but like, you know, life isn't too and, horrible. And she does come around, and yeah. So I think it's important. One, I'm always on the side. You gotta state your intentions here with these. Like, so she is true. totally in the right. Um, but she yes. does after some persistence and like looking how cute James Holden is. Um, she's like, fine, we'll, uh, I'll cook dinner. Let's have, let's have a good date night. So Holden does manage to bring it around. Um, yeah. So one of, one of the reasons she did that, cause she basically called Holden out for being, I don't know, like stuck, not like stuck on the can, basically in this like dead end, uh, hauler job. Cause he, yeah. he likes being on this crappy ship. He's like, yeah. I can leave whenever I want. And she's like, you've been here five years, dude. You're not going anywhere. <laughs> um that's pretty that's actually that's pretty that's a, brutal that's way more brutal yeah yeah it's it's too real right now but uh, <laughs> <laughs> i gotta leave <laughs> but um yeah yeah so after after that she calls him out but then comes around and it's like okay we can have a date night uh which is looking looking up for my guy holden uh but then right as they're having that cute moment captain mcdowell comes over the shipwide comms and calls holden to the bridge um captain cockblock mcdowell yeah he's dude unbelievable he does a lot of cock blocking uh mm-hmm. after that uh this lady rebecca byers who is the communications officer and is described as a shark lady so i'm not sh- like we were talking before i'm not sure what this means i picture a shark head on a human that's definitely probably not how the author wants you to think about it but it's um, funny you know different people i think focus on different things like this is something that i read and i was like it's glossed over even, did not come back i was like oh shark lady okay so she's like uh she's kind of like you know she's prickly maybe or like she doesn't like talking a whole lot or maybe mm-hmm. she just kind of like looks mean i don't know and then you I think she looks you think that she's like half human half shark literally a shark lady <laughs> Very different this world is totally normal except for this one shark lady everything else is realistic like i'm, I'm picturing like star trek where they like they pan to one of the people working on the bridge and it's just a shark <laughs> that's kind of what it is or like a rick and morty type thing where it's just like a shark person yeah, yeah but right. uh yeah, but that's not really important. That never comes up again. <laughs> Apologize for derailing us. Literally not. But um, that's why it's funny that you that you focused on it so much when we were talking about it. <laughs> we, we need to focus. I don't know. It really resonated with me. Um, <laughs> but yeah, she explains that there is there's a ship um, out in the middle of nowhere sending out an SOS signal. Uh, so in this universe, when a ship is sending out an SOS, uh, you have to go check on it, um, especially when there's there's no one around. <laughs> that sound because of the yeah. implication uh, but, of... <laughs> but uh, yeah you ha- you have to go basically make an attempt to see what's up and see if anybody needs assistance uh, that's like the, the rule I guess so McDowell doesn't really want to do this because they have to basically do a hard burn change direction which is expensive because they're already moving they have a full hauler of ice, and if they change mm-hmm. that direction, it's going to cost them a lot of money and time, uh, which is not fun. So he's he's basically setting up for Holden to be the bad guy or good guy, saying, hey, we shouldn't fake the logs and actually go check on this ship, mm-hmm. which is definitely what Holden wants to do anyway. So in the, in the show, actually, I think this is another... The show, they make it so that 
the captain and says, don't do it. And then they don't, don't go look. And they're going to scrub the logs and just ignore it. And then late at night, Holden gets up and uh, decides to do it anyway, <laughs> which they I believe is, him, is like, more in his character, kind of. Oh, my God. But they make him such they're, you're like, no, you, you think he's such like a whiny baby and he tattles but you are a baby all his friends like i mean in the in the <laughs> in the book it's like a conversation between mcdowell holden and yeah the, and the other i forget who else was there was it rebecca was that yeah, the one rebecca there? and mcdowell's like yeah there's you know there's this thing over there it's gonna be we get there's this ship yeah. it's gonna be expensive it's gonna take a lot of time holden's like well you know we have to check that there might be people on it if we yeah. don't check you know those are the rules and it's more of just like a you know, McDowell is kind of like throwing it up and being like, hey, yeah, you know, we don't have to do this. But then Holden, he wants, you know, yeah, uh, he basically put the ball in Holden's court. Holden yeah. could have either said yes or no in the book. Yeah. And he says, you know, we kind of learn about who he is. And he, when he mm-hmm. says like, yeah, we need to go check. Whereas in the, whereas in the freaking, honestly, <laughs> yeah, I think the TV show is a more accurate representation of Holden because we learned that he does dumb shit all the time without the input <laughs> in the of name anyone of, around yeah. him. So yeah. yeah, like the ship or the the show probably more accurate. Also, just unbelievable. It's like, dude, oh my god! It's like like say your friends cheated and it's like you like went to the teacher after school and was like, <laughs> hey, my friends cheated on this. Test. Oh yeah, because like, they that. didn't even. He sent the SOS signal to like somebody else to verify. And yes, that's right. Yeah, that's what happened. All right. Yeah, so he did like basically tattle and on then, his friends. And I'm pretty sure. That, that's they very holding someone else don't they blame someone else for a little bit and then <laughs> yeah, they do. he's gotta be like I, it was me it was me i did it and that was he didn't <laughs> confess till after everyone died <laughs> like oops oops maybe we shouldn't have done oh, this you're right that's what it is afterwards they're like man I wonder who sent out that thing. And <laughs> it's that meme where the guy like looks over and looks back. It's literally that. That's Holden. <laughs> like, uh oh. Um, but anyway, yeah. in the book, it's a little more. They know. Yeah, it's a little more understood that like, yeah, we don't want to do it, but it's the right thing. Oh, we're gonna do it. And everybody's right kind of on board. And everyone, um, hey, everyone's like, ah, there's yeah. Jimmy again, just being the good guy. But no one's like mad at him, right? Like, yeah, exactly. And then so McDowell uh is uh yeah, he's an old belter. He um <laughs> I feel like I say belter in a bad connotation. I should It feels weird. It, it sometimes feels, feels weird to say. I totally agree. Um, At least I mean we do say Earthers and Martians as yeah. well. So it's not like there's like I think like Belters to to PC I in that universe too. I think so. It seems like it could be ripe for abuse. What's but... the I don't know what the the non PC word for Belter is in that unit. So in uh, they have dusters for Martians. What's Earthers? It's like mm. something to do with gravity. I don't know. We'll it figure it out later. Um, but yeah, there are there's definitely some slang for for non for others in in this. Yeah. But uh, right. But we also like get Captain McDowell also kind of revealing more about his character. He's like, hey. Don't do any hero stuff out there. <laughs> you got to keep yourself safe. And uh, we're only required to make an attempt. We don't got to go in and save the day. So just keep yourself safe in the crew. And uh, let's just do our duty, but no more. And uh, Holden's like, okay. But that's just not how he rolls. Um, and then we hear the name of the stranded vessel. The Scalpuli. 
Dun dun dun. Which, if you were paying attention, is the name of the ship. Uh, hopefully, I hopefully I called that out. I think I you remember. did. I think I, I think did. you did. If not, well, here it is. We we called it out. <laughs> this is our um, first episode. So don't be too hard on us. Yeah. So let's uh, let's go back and explore Holden, Naomi, and Amos since we learn about them here. Yes. Uh, so James, we 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 did talk a lot about him. He's uh, an Earther, um, born. In Montana to like five family members. A lot of parents. A lot, a lot of parents. Because apparently you can having a kid requires money because the are so overpopulated. Um but yeah, so and he's he's the guy who's like we we're saying, always needs to do the right thing. Um kind of has blinders on to like what his version of the right thing is and just makes very not good decisions. Um, which we'll get, we'll touch he, on it later in this episode, just the, over, the, the over, crappy over. decisions he does. And probably every episode, but just, yeah, that he just really, needs yeah. to be doing the right thing. I say he, that with air quotes, right? The right thing, but, but, but what he thinks is the right thing. And, and that's also, not always seemingly the right thing. I mean, he also doesn't think like two steps ahead. He's like, no, Oh yeah, no. I'll do this. Cause it's the right thing. Not thinking that the implications are going to like, totally mess everything up and not be the right thing it's like he's not he's not a chess player no definitely not he doesn't um, he doesn't strategize he doesn't uh you know contemplate mm-hmm. anything he doesn't have a lot going on in that in that old noggin upstairs he's just act he does what he needs to do i mean yeah he, he does have like kind of smart moments um yes he's not and, all but but generally and he's good at like he's good at getting himself out of a jam sometime and actually, I mean, without and actually to, to the character's credit i think he gets smarter over the course of the series he definitely does um for sure but yeah we're we're at peak holding a lot of yeah yeah we're at peak like holding like just shooting out what he thinks is right not thinking of the consequences just bang bam bam yeah peak holding energy is where we're at right now yep. that's what i'm gonna refer to it as from now on yeah and it's I will say his intentions are good, but they're usually good. I mean, actually, they're always good. Yeah. Yeah. He's always trying to do the right. Like his version of the right thing is probably like it's the right thing, but doesn't always result in the right thing. Like it's just uh, it's a bad decision if you were to think about it for even like 10 seconds. Uh Yeah. And then, you know, our and then our our next kind of main character in this crew, Naomi. Naomi, she is the pragmatist yes. to to jimmy's uh optimist i guess yeah you could call him i'm not entirely sure what you would call <laughs> I don't him even actually know. it's i don't it's know what you call him yeah. either but so the one thing about naomi um she is from the belt and she stands at two meters tall long is skinny. what the uh what the the book says so that just to be clear that's like six six so she's like tall she's like tall she's like WNBA tall. Tall. Um, <laughs> Taller than that. She, yeah, it, unnatural tall. All and to be clear, all the belters are like this. Yes, all belters are very tall. I don't know, like the average, I don't know the average height of them. I guess. Definitely I mean, assuming if they're only six six, then the guys yeah. must be like seven feet, right? Like, yeah, they're all very tall. That's yeah. just yeah, how they are. Seven feet. You got Boban Marjanovic down there. Dang. He's a belter. Yeah, for uh, real. he couldn't walk. Taco Paul actually kind of is like a belter, honestly. He's pretty skinny. He might be. Yeah. So mm-hmm. if you're thinking of belters, Google Taco Fall right now. <laughs> he's 7'5". That's probably pretty tall for a belter. Well, I guess I don't know. I don't know. 
No, I think I yeah, I think the Belters are all like like massive. Pretty pretty tall. Well, who knows? It's zero G, man. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Anything goes. Anything goes in zero G. Those are the rules. Right. But But yeah, so Naomi is the is the pragmatist of this of this group. She um where was she born? You know more about this than Yeah, so she was born I don't think they give an exact like location, but um I believe series and she uh I'm I think I might be mixing up the, the she has it said that she had um gotten prestigious like engineering degrees from various uh colleges um but then at this point yeah that she had done something wrong to be put on the cant cuz ba- so basically everyone on the cant it, it's like the worst job you can get as far as like a job basically everyone flying on the can has either either not good at their job or messed up at their other job or done something bad that the the can't yeah. is willing to overlook or literally have some criminal record or you know whatever like something that yeah. is causing them to have so, to work on the can it's not it's not anyone's first choice typically yeah. yep so that that no naomi falls in yeah that second group where she's very very good at job very smart um very good engineer but uh but there's there's something in her past uh, for a reason why she's on the can't can't. Which I, wonder, we can, I wonder if that'll ever come back. But up. I wonder. Who knows? Probably I not. I, I wouldn't think it. No. Check out. Um, check out. Did we say she's path. like? I forget. Uh, I should have wrote down what they described her as. But she's like a blend of a ton of different, uh, a different races. Because I guess, yeah. When when people settled the belt, it was just all sorts of people. So you had a very a very real mixing pot going on. So I think they describe her as part, uh, um, basically everything. I mean, it touches yeah, on like, she, every like darker, she definitely has like darker skin. She's not like white. That's for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I think it says, man, I'm like looking at it and I don't see, I thought it said like Southeast Asian, but I'm not. Yeah. It definitely describes sure her as like kind that. of Asian and then yeah. also, but also yeah. like darker complexion and, um, some other things, but yeah, basically she's a mis- mismatch. I think, yeah, if the, I think the show did a pretty good job of of casting her. Naomi. I mean, I, she looks exactly like you, like I thought she would look like. Yeah, I, I, they, like, I don't they actually know how they. I don't know how that um, that actress. They just made her look exactly like I I thought just Naomi would yeah. look like. She's obviously not as tall as book Naomi, but the show yeah. doesn't. There's not a bunch of seven foot people walking freaks. around on the show. It would be um, unrealistic. It's and called the Belters Freaks again. But actors, yeah. Yeah, so that's uh, Naomi. Naomi? Mm-hmm. Naomi is probably more. And then we get to the best of the three. No, I'm just kidding. Naomi's the best. Big but boy. We get to Amos. Amos. <laughs> Big uh, the beefy, boy. The beefy earth boy from Baltimore. And in this corner, the. <laughs> Amos, my guy. Big boy from Earth. Amos Burton. Okay, sorry, that's enough. Okay. Um, he all he does, we we learn quickly that he's he's huge. He's a meathead. He only listens to Naomi. Mm-hmm. If Naomi tells him to jump, he jumps. That's it. If anyone like, if Naomi tells him to murder someone in cold blood, he murders them in cold blood. Like yeah. that is, we we learn that immediately. We're immediately learned like this guy has really has no internal sense of um, 
I don't even know. I think internal internal compass, I guess. Like his internal compass is Naomi. It's basically what it's implied. um, It isn't bad to be right now. Yeah. So he's kind of a scary character, and we kind of and and because all the the POVs are from from James. Um, you know, James doesn't really know what to think about Amos a whole lot. He doesn't really know what he's thinking, what he's feeling, (laughs) what he's gonna do. He, mm-hmm. Amos is one where sometimes things that he is passionate about, he will just act on, and it's where where other characters will try to be diplomatic. Um, he's got things that he he just doesn't stand for, which we learn about later. But um, yeah, he whereas Holden is like a known wild card where he's just kind of like making random decisions, and you know he's going to do that. Amos is like a little bit of a more of a quiet type. And mm-hmm. you don't really ever know what he's thinking, but man, when he decides to do something, it's usually very impactful and very scary. <laughs> so that yeah, is, he's uh, got some issues. Um, yes. Yeah. And I guess to enforce that, uh, I didn't mention it so much, but, uh, he, in the beginning where he calls, uh, Naomi over, he calls, he says, Hey boss man, or something to that regard. And he's talking about, Hmm boss i think he just says boss not boss man that's yeah, a belter thing but um he wow, says hey boss can you help me with this already yeah i know <laughs> um nice. and he's not he's not talking about holden he's talking about naomi who even though holden is technically the the boss there he's the higher up in that situation but um yeah he basically only talks to naomi and he i think other decisions are made where he's like he looks at naomi he's not looking at the person who's i guess quote-unquote in charge um he's just looking to naomi yeah yeah and that's indicated very early yep yep um the one other the one other character to touch on here is shed the the ship doctor the ship medical dude uh you know he seems like a decent guy he seems like a good guy (laughs) like someone you could go get a beer with it'd be fine he'd be fun you'd probably talk for a little bit you know that's that's who Shed is. He seems like a nice guy. It would honestly be a shame if anything happened to our boy Shed. Yeah, truly awful. I hope he does not get hurt in any way. <laughs> that sounded oh. too bad. That sounded, like, <laughs> that sounded like I was like the mafia putting out a hit on Shed. It would Shed. be such a shame. <laughs> we wouldn't want anything to happen to our boy. This is No, this is now. This is, I said this before, but this is how you talk about your sister's boyfriend. Mm, yeah be ashamed of something i like shed and he's a good guy he's a good guy he's a good Uh guy Uh, no he's he's cool he's got such a future he's got such a he's got so much potential he is he's a good guy but yeah those are the main characters that are going to come up later throughout the story and we'll we'll get to travel with them more throughout the the expanse getting into chapter two this is a miller chapter we get introduced to the other main character of the story uh, Detective Miller, uh, whose first name actually is Casey right now, but I, you, we just got, we're going to call him Miller forever. Um, <laughs> not important. Not- <laughs> he's, only, he's only called Miller anyway. His first name is Detective because that's all he knows. <laughs> yes, he's a hard-boiled detective. Who's to say? Working the streets. He he's like a classic noir guy. We'll get into it. So in the beginning of chapter two, we get introduced to Miller and his partner Havelock. Um, they are two detectives on the Asteroid series. Um, the asteroid series is one of the main locations in this story. Um, it's a, it's a port city essentially on, on the asteroid, uh, that was built there, um, that a bunch of people live on now. 
Um, the Miller and Havelock are interviewing a a woman about a man named Bomi. I believe his name is. I've I always have felt weird about this name Bomi. I think it's Bomi. Um, but Miller and the and the woman, uh, they're they're speaking in in a language. It, it's I'm I was gonna call it a dialect. I I it almost is like a separate language. It's hard to read what they're talking. Like you have no idea what they're talking about when you come out of that conversation. Yeah, it's um, like a mixture of like German and like lots of Spanish too. Like and there's French. a lot of gay yeah, that's weird. Como. Yeah, uh huh. So it's an interesting. I wonder how they came up with that. Maybe we can do a little research on that and and <laughs> that'd be a good it science out. Tuesday. It would. It would. <laughs> a lab <laughs> report. <laughs> um. So yeah, the the Havelock. After they're done talking to the woman, they kind of go from her apartment. They go. Uh, they kind of leave her apartment. Havelock kind of comments. Um. Thanks for not looping me into that hole freaking conversation dude i had no idea what the hell you guys were talking about um miller just kind of notes like eh, you know whatever i'm not really worried about it you kind of you don't need to know or you didn't need to be talking about it but um miller thinks to himself that havelock being irritated here makes him bad at poker and it's just kind of said that miller is good at poker so you were learning a little bit like havelock is is not some or someone that kind of wears his emotions on a sleeve miller is someone that is a lot more reserved and doesn't really give away how he's feeling as much. He is literally the classic, like hard boiled detective. He is a noir <laughs> uh, detective. So uh, just picture that and you'll get a good idea of who Miller is. Um, they, they end up leaving this, this interview at the one's house, which is up high in the upper levels of Sarah station. So there is um, lower gravity than the lower levels. Um, and there's Coriolis effects that affect the upper levels due to the spinning of the asteroid series. So they, it's noted that Havelock who is not a belter is kind of bouncing around trying to walk back to their little cart that they use to traverse the, the city. Um, whereas Mil even Miller who has lived on series his whole life is actually a little bit of a, uh, having a little bit of trouble walking correctly as well. Miller is a belter. He's lives on, he's lived on series his whole life. He's got the tall skinny, um, you know, I, he, yeah, he's this, he's the skinny boy. Uh, while while Havelock is from Earth and was also lived on Mars for a while, um, Havelock is definitely irritated that he he wasn't able to contribute to the con conversation. Um, they're able to joke about this though. Uh, Miller comments uh, another thing about the differences between him and Havelock that Havelock's good at team sports, and it's stated that Miller is not good at team <laughs> sports. Um, that you know we learned that pretty quickly. That's so like an understatement. Is, it's an understatement. Yeah, he's he's kind of a He's a loner for sure. Um, he's got some issues, which we learn about. Um, they they do a little bit of exposition at this point. They talk about, they talk about series. We're going to talk about this uh, after these chapters. Um, but just suffice to say, it's a massive city up to supports up to like seven million people um, with a bunch of tunnels that kind of are lap are layered on top Secret of each other. Tunnels. To support, Chris Paul to would love this place. Yes, Secret tunnels. Chris Paul. <laughs> that was a deep cut. It took me a second. <laughs> um, so the these the two guys they head back to the headquarters of Star Helix, the the company they work for. It's 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 interesting to note that it is a company that is the police force and military presence on on series, which is the you know this is our classic um, cyberpunk horrible future where. The, the police and military are one and the same uh and oh it's a company that employs them so that's that's really good this seems i don't see any issues with this none that could it's come how up. we should model our um, society 
we probably should we probably should privatize police yeah that seems like nothing bad could happen in my in my personal opinion i think nothing could bad could come of privatizing military and police um so we learn um we learn what actually happened in this conversation at this point miller actually takes the time to explain here what happened um and what they talked about bomi uh our boy that he was talking about he got jumped uh by a group of People, I guess it's not really clear who, um, and he has not returned uh, to his normal stuff. He's not returned to his house uh, to the people he knows. Um, this is notable since he is a member, a low-level member of the Golden Bow. Um, I believe that's how it's pronounced. It might not be, but they're an organized crime <laughs> gang, um, and so that's why it's it's notable that he has not come back to his position that he's normally in. Um, and additionally, that there hasn't been any payback for for this. Normally, the gang would or the, the crime syndicate, whatever you want to refer to it as, uh, would obviously there'd be some sort of payback or this guy would come back and, and continue to operate in his role to make money for this group, but he has not. And so it's kind of notable uh, because of that. Um, after, after Miller uh, and Havelock get back and they're talking for a little bit, Miller eventually gets called into his boss's office. Captain Shadid is how I'm pronouncing this. Shadid. Shadid specifically says no Havelock. It is immediately noted that Shadid does not like Havelock because he is from Earth. So Shadid immediately does not come Can off. Can you blame well. her? Very <laughs> racist. Very racist. It's not like, oh, he's Havelock, so he doesn't need to know. It's like, it's like, no. No, he's from Earth. I don't want to talk to him. I, he doesn't need to be here. Get him out of here. So not a good look for her. Not a good look. Um, right off the bat. Um, however, this is truly Shadid has a case that she needs to give Miller specifically. Um, she does ask about some of the stuff going on with the, 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 the organized crime groups and, and Miller notes that this has been happening to a lot of the organized crime groups, uh, of which there are quite a few because Ceres is a major shipping hub. Um, he's noted that there's quite a few members that have gone missing and, and there hasn't been a lot of, they have not returned, um, which is... <laughs> concerning and, and and weird and out of the ordinary for for series and for what miller works with on a day-to-day basis um they they talk about the opa here and we learned a little bit more about the opa um just a little bit more they are uh, a, a group that it's they're the the um shoot outer planetary the, the name, i guess yeah what, is, what am i looking for what is the acronym is that the word i'm looking for the acronym stands for Outer Planets Alliance. Um, it is. It's a group formed for uh, for the belts for for essentially the non-Earth and non-Mars um, settlements in the solar system. So you've got the belt, you've got asteroids on the belt, and then you've got the moons on Saturn. You've got the moons on Jupiter. There, where there are settlements that are, I think, essentially considered part of the belt, um, and then even colonies out farther than that. Um, but yeah, they, they kind of talk about how they don't think it's OPA, so that's that's why this is kind of weird. Um, and then they eventually get into why Shadid called him into his office, which is to get a case that a shareholder of Star Helix has asked them to investigate. Again, I, I see no problems here. <laughs> uh, you know, shareholders of a public company asking their employees to investigate, you know, any you know what whoever they want to i, I don't see any problems i don't see any problems with i think this. that's how um, we should do it truly truly so 
Chetty gets into talking about the the case that she has uh, for Miller here, and and the case is to find the missing daughter of Jules Pierre and Ariadne Mao, uh, the owners of Mao Kwiatkowski Mercantile, one of the major interplanetary, trans- interplanetary transport companies uh, in the belt. They um, Julie went to college. Obviously, Julie, their daughter Julie, who we should recognize by now. Um, Went off to college, got involved with an OPA group, with an OPA group essentially, um, and she's kind of bounced around in the belt for a while. But her parents now want her home. Um, so Miller is, you know, he he kind of cuts to the chase that he's been assigned a kidnapping job. Um, Shadi says yes. <laughs> You're just gonna have to do it, dude. And Miller's just like, okay, yes, boss, I will. Uh, no problem. So. Um, that's really the end of that. Miller eventually heads back to his house. He thinks about his 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 ex-wife Candace for the first time. He's he's like a wife guy, but like realized it too late. So th- this is a common theme for Miller. He really likes to think about his ex-wife. So um, this is the first of many times thinking about Candace. Um, and then he begins to kind of review some of the files from from the from Shadi on on Julie Mao. Um, she's pictured in in one of these files winning a race in her ship, the Razorback, which I'm guessing is some sort of racing ship i don't know what exactly i'm assuming it's small and sleek um Sounds and yeah he he makes dinner he drinks some whiskey he thinks about candace more um and then he's like he tries to think about the case more and he's like eh, julie mao like i'm not bothered by it i don't want to think about it anymore and that's where we end off uh for chapter two so that'll be the last time he says that he he can't really think yeah about i was gonna it say it's interesting more. that he uh he does that considering how wrapped up he gets into it it's clearly like they clearly right. are trying to be like this he wasn't he didn't this care isn't and, a and he's thing. obsessed and it's like okay we get it he's, yep. he's a little crazy he just honestly i think that he just replaced julie just becomes his ex-wife yeah for sure he's got a problem he's they've uh, been I... <laughs> it's been two and a half years it, it's a little <laughs> jarring honestly it's even more jarring in the show i'm like Yes, because they do a worse job of, or maybe I'm just bad at it. But it was, it was just all of a sudden like he is in love with Julie Mao, and it was very un. I think the book does a better job of like, uh, leading into him getting obsessed with her. Whereas I think in the show it kind of just like, oh, all of a sudden he just <laughs> loves Julie Mao. Yeah, but, it's a um, classic. I mean, I think it's the classic book versus show thing where. I mean, the book can just tell us what's going yeah. on in his head and we can kind of walk through it and there's time spent on exploring what he's feeling. And in the show, you just can't do that as much because you can't get inside people's heads like that. Yeah, um, it was wild. So, yeah, it, it is. It is right now. He, he can't really be arsed about Mao. And eventually he, you know, that's literally all that he cares about. So, um, yeah, obviously. Detective Miller, we've been talking about him a lot. He he is the main character that is introduced in this chapter. Um, not much more to be said about him, I don't think. Uh, he is a hard-nosed dude. He has been a cop his whole life. You know, he, he talks about how there's not really laws, there's just security on Sirius. So he's probably <laughs> not super, you know, I don't know. He that, That's who he is. But yeah, anything you want to comment on about about miller and, and your thoughts on um on yeah i don't dude. know how how far we want to get into like yeah that's true yeah i guess it's it's i w- i will say it's interesting to me reading this and knowing that he is 
he doesn't know he's washed up, but he is a washed up cop. Super um, washed. Super washed. Uh, but he still thinks of himself as like the hotshot detective. Um, but then later, obviously, in the book, finds out he's everyone sees him as the washed up cop who uh, <laughs> is just cries about his ex wife and drinks too much. Which, um, which to is be fair, on. it's pretty clear, pretty clear immediately. Like, yeah, uh, you I know, mean, <laughs> I was on Team Miller until when when Miller found out he was washed. <laughs> I was like, what? My favorite Surprise, detective shocked face. Shocked Pikachu right there. That was me. When when Miller was washed. You just gotta look you do you do what Miller does. He looks at the facts. What Miller's day was like today. He went he was working, (laughs) he went home, he poured a glass of whiskey, he thought about his ex-wife and worked more. Who among us has not has not poured a glass of whiskey and thought about their ex-wife? He says that he doesn't like to to make his you know use sense in his in his room because he likes the sterile smell of the space the space station so yeah that's that was weird that, that was pretty odd pretty I, messed think, up. I think also they do a, yeah he doesn't seem as washed i mean he kind of seems washed up in the show but he's seen it's it's less like uh it is well i mean the other thing is they give him a fedora in the show i mean i that understand that he's hilarious. got like, a fedora, but like uh like why why are you doing this to him? He doesn't need this. I mean, obviously, he's doing it to himself, but yeah. Yeah. Oh, the freaking hat good is stuff. not good. The hat was also, great. the I feel like the age difference between him and Julie is a little bit. I feel like it's maybe more pronounced in the show. It feels weirder in the show a little bit than it does in the book. But also, yes, I, don't know. I, I think that's also out. what weirded me out when. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So not super good. That's all right. That's just. Well, it's fine. We don't have to talk about it right now. Okay. We're talking about the book where it's not clear how old either are. <laughs> so, I mean, Julie's it's kind of implied say. that she's at least she's maybe a couple years out of college. I mean, it kind of implies that he's middle aged, having an ex wife, and like he's got an ex wife. He has yeah. like it sounds like he has a lot of time on the force. So, the force. Yeah. Yeah. No. Nah. But yeah, definitely doesn't help his case. But a good, you know, a I good don't know. first There's chapter. Little... Oh, yeah. I stand Miller. I gotta. Miller is again. That, that's the thing. Besides all this stuff, I, I do like him a lot. I, I definitely think that I relate to him more than than Jimmy. He's just way more of a realist. I love James in Holden. these books. So that's funny that you like Holden more. Yeah, I like. I definitely like Miller more than Holden. I think that says a lot about us personally as well. Holden's uh, like almost a wild card in the fact that you d- <laughs> he like is, he's he not is. a wild card because you know he always wants to do the right thing but sometimes that right thing that he thinks is like so like why are you doing this it's like he's just like i don't know he kind of just it's does good. whatever he wants yes um yep which i think yep. is funny and and good but uh yeah anyway chapter four or five three wow three really so three three is a lot of uh a lot of exposition or kind of more just explaining the the universe and the characters so uh, not the i guess the function of what happens here isn't that isn't that high but uh um yeah we'll, we'll get into it but so after two days of burn on the the cant uh so they have to get slowed down or in the same trajectory as the uh the asteroid where the ship is the ship is laying um after those two-day burns holden's like kind of hung over from it (laughs) it it specifically describes how earthers are are less good at going between low and high g um and he points out how naomi specifically um was 
able to just like bounce back and and run in fine after the uh the high burn which seems kind of weird because it seems like belters would would not like the burns as much but maybe i don't know it seems like they'd be worse at everything to me i guess if they have less muscle right um, i think they're just more used to the the changes in and they don't have to like support themselves because they're in the crass couch or whatever yeah, but, true. um so maybe they're just better at adjusting to different uh different g's although they can't like stand at normal gravity but that's that's whatever um so they they're they kind of assembled the a team here with uh holden the, the xo just kind of leading the mission naomi the engineer um and amos to like collect salvage um if there's anything of value on the ship if they can't collect humans um alex alex kamal a martian pilot this is the first time we meet him he like i said is martian uh and is holden complains about having alex at first he's like i wish we had this other dude because he wouldn't talk so much um but <laughs> but they get alex who's apparently a, a very good pilot um but has a texas draw because martians sound like texans which kind of makes sense to me i mean if you if you ask me how a martian sounds texas sounds pretty pretty spot on uh but they're all boarding the night, which was foreshadowed to having issues uh, before this. But that was just with the landing gear. No worries going a few clicks to uh, over to the ship. Um, so they're flying the night, what they call tea kettle, over to the, the ship. And that's just with the maneuvering thrusters. If you've seen like how space shuttles like adjust to like the little bursts of, uh, of gas. like I'm, I'm moving my hands that you can see right now very well. But um, because the the night's old, so it doesn't have an Epstein drive, which is kind of the I'll call it the miracle drive that allowed uh, interplanetary exploration, because um, it was fuel efficient and and solved the overheating problem. But they just have like a fusion drive that would burn the crap out of everything around them if they use that. So they're they're going over a little slow, um, but it doesn't really matter because that's just how it is. Uh. Approaching the scapulae, they they see a large hole in the side, which is immediately not good. Uh, and this kind of points to Holden's um, character still, because I think a normal person would have been like, uh, "This looks a little fishy. Let's get out of here." <laughs> There's a big hole in the side, uh, but but Holden uh, presses on. Um, so they they reach the scapulae, get inside. It's completely empty. Um, no no bodies or anything and they they discover that actually the hole wasn't caused by a torpedo but a a blast um somebody put charges on on the side of the ship and blew it up which is very weird because normally in space combat you would not allow somebody to attach to your, your ship and then uh blow holes in the side with charges so that is odd um everything's been spaced out all the doors are open the reactor is shut down um so that's that is the first order of business they all go up to the reactor they want to see why it's shut down if it was damaged or not uh they get up there and it's actually been turned off which is odd because in an emergency situation nobody's going to go through the procedures to turn off the future fusion reactors um so holden leaves naomi to kind of get that back up and running um and goes up with amos to the the bridge to see if they can recover the main computer and find more about the signal 
Uh, once up there, they realize that the signal isn't coming from aboard the ship. Um, normally, a distress signal would come out of the, the ship's main computer. It's instead coming from a separate beacon, uh, which finally Holden wakes up and is like, uh, this isn't good. <laughs> this seems like a trap. So uh, Alex finishes cutting the, the thing out of the, the computer out of the hall, uh, and they get a a message from from the captain uh he says we may have a problem here and uh we go. yeah another there's our cliffhanger another cliffhanger i did lie my chapter actually didn't have a cliffhanger that was probably the the only one yeah there's only 50 cliffhangers not yeah there's only there's one less to worry about i know we're worried about them um yeah no i think that's a good uh it's an interesting chapter. We'll talk about a little bit more about some of the stuff that that kind of goes on in that chapter. While it doesn't seem like a lot goes on, they kind of there's a lot of exposition um, in those in that chapter. Kind of like the next chapter too. Um, again, we just learned a little bit more about how Holden is just not horribly good at identifying uh, things like danger. Um, <laughs> you know. <laughs> <laughs> there's there's multiple, multiple times in this chapter where Holden's like, you know, this seems bad, and then he's like, ah, whatever, let's keep yeah, going. Yeah, he's like, uh, it's weird that there are no bodies here or anything. <laughs> uh, let's just keep going. <laughs> whatever. Very it's weird fine. that they shut down the reactors instead of uh, going. Uh -huh. Yeah, just keep going. Right. And then finally, and then only when they find that that beacon separate, um, it's enough oh, to shit. to make them turn around. And then also, he's like, even... sorry. Yeah. No, I just and then also they just got a message from Captain McDowell. So, yes, uh, that's the only thing. As they leave, or as he realizes we need to go, mm -hmm. McDowell saying that message is is what you know finally gets him to go back. Yep. You know, he like he's like, like can I bring a gun? No one's like, yes. <laughs> and then in his brain, he's like, that makes me feel a lot better about this. It's like, dude, why? <laughs> why are we doing this? Yes. this seems like a bad a bad choice it's okay it's all right but yeah this is that's kind of that's kind of holden's thing um the the obvious the thing we need to touch on is is the introduction of pilot alex pilot, pilot alex, alex. he's our middle-aged martian pilot um they make him look he, a lot better in the show yeah i agree i i think that he that actor looks just i mean that actor does is basically how i picture him now for the most part um I don't know that actor's name. And actually, he just had some shit come out about him that doesn't seem super positive. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's described as like a middle-aged guy, used to be in the Martian Navy, used to fly for the Martian Navy. So again, he used to be in the Navy. Now he's on to Canterbury. Not like a super good direction for your career to go. But, you know, that's <laughs> where these guys are at. That's something where bad. Our group's at. Uh-huh. Um, he's described as getting a little overweight. He hasn't kept up that Martian fitness regimen, which... I believe is probably intense seems great we probably need to pick up that martian fitness regimen um but yeah uh it, it's a it's a cool little they kind of talk about how they have to get get on the night maneuver the night around we get we learn a little bit about how travel works uh in this in this universe it's not you know we are uh, both massive star wars fans so we're not slandering star wars when we say it. the ships oh, just don't work like star wars do it's a lot more hard sci-fi than than kind of the, like the floaty sci-fi yeah sci it's yeah, yeah. like star wars is basically a fantasy in space if you think about it there's a lot yes, of magic right, going on right. there 
Um, whereas this is more like everything pretty much follows the laws of physics. Um, besides the besides the drive, which and they basically that, just like wait, they kind of magic what? in a way. But yes, oh the, yeah, the drives. Yeah, yeah, they're like yeah, this guy he just kind of made it. I mean, theoretically, uh, you could make. I just mean like. Right. Like to maneuver, you have to experience all the G's, which is not yes, something that happens yes, in Star Wars. Absolutely, to like, absolutely. it yep. takes. I think they describe. I think it took a a while to get there. Like it was like hours to get to the yes. to the ship, yep. and like, um, they just make space seem big, and it it is really big. Um, so uh, yeah, they, they do a good job of, I guess, keeping to the science. Agree. Uh, which is cool. Agree. They stick with the. The early Game of Thrones thing, where it takes a long time for armies to get to one place mm-hmm. to, from one place to another. Right. So, um, and they usually stick with that. We don't get all the weird later Game of Thrones season travel crap that happens. <laughs> but um, so yeah, so that's chapter three. We get into chapter four. I actually love chapter four. So please stop me if I'm going too long on this. But August I really like chapter. some of the. <laughs> oh God, <No. laughs> that's not a that's a banned word from this podcast. <laughs> um, so chapter four, Miller, he's in his house. He's still eating dinner. He's still drinking whiskey. He's still thinking about Kansas. He's in his house. It's unbelievable. His house. He calls it his hole, which I really <laughs> don't like. Wait. Yeah, really don't great. like that. They do I call it their like... hole. I'm pretty sure it's because it's, yeah, like a hole in the rock. But Right. But I shouldn't. I don't. Man. He calls can you imagine if I called my house the hole? hole? I'm going back good. to my hole. Go back to my You're hole. You're invited to my hole tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Good oh no so miller gets a call from his bud hassini um hassini works as a manager at a bar called the blue frog the blue frog is a Hot. bar based on a popular bar in mumbai india um it has uh he it's noted that miller once helped hassini out regarding an issue with an unlicensed prostitute which not a great <laughs> not, look i could not a great look for not what you want to hear you of sex work but also you know this and at least there are licensed prostitutes i guess that's good at least um but just i feel like I, you there's know, a reason that, for the license though like uh, <laughs> yeah probably i just hopefully this this i'm assuming girl hopefully this girl wasn't punished but who knows um so the hasini is described as having nerve damage that causes him to have a series of permanent smirk um so hasini he's he's on the, the little video chat he's smirking um <laughs> He, he kind of tells Miller that Havelock is there, and, and it seems like he's having a bad night. Um, Miller asks him to keep Havelock happy, and he, he'll be there in 20 minutes, to which Hassini says uh, he doesn't want to be kept happy. He wants a reason to get unhappy. So Miller's like, well, shit. Um, and Miller straps a, a, one of his guns to his ankles uh, and, and heads out into the night after many whiskeys, many whiskeys and a gun. Good, good stuff here. Um, there, there's a little uh, exposition here about how there was a day and night cycle that they implemented when series, the series colony first started up uh, and how it was ended after a few months. Um, this is interesting to kind of think about how on, you know, in space, the or, or not on Earth, the, the day-night cycle is going to be very different. Uh, and if you're rotating a small asteroid, it's going to obviously rotate very quickly um, and not going to be near the 12 hours of daylight, 12 hours of, um, of nighttime that you, that you have on Earth. So it seems like pretty quickly, since there are positions that where you need to monitor, I'm assuming atmosphere and oxygen levels and you know maintenance stuff, that it was pretty quickly gotten rid of and and just kind of found unhelpful. Since I'm assuming lights are just on all the time because there's probably people always working. Um, 
so that is one thing to know about the the non-earth um stations mars probably has a day and night cycle you don't need to yeah i think mars is actually pretty close to earth it gets it's like 25 hours or something gotcha that'd be nice extra hour in the day huh um we'd probably just companies probably just make us work nine or ten they will yep um so that uh miller's heading off to uh the subway we get another great miller moment here not good for our boy miller really not a good look for him but it's all right miller notices a man and his daughter hanging out on the subway um (laughs) his daughter's maybe two and a half two and a half ish which Mm -hmm. is an interesting an interesting amount of years says miller strikes up a conversation with this man and you know they're talking blah 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 and the guy's like you got kids i was like no he's like well but i got a divorce it's about two and a half years and they both <laughs> chuckle it they both chuckle at this uh they think it's you know it's funny uh i guess miller thinks about candace a little bit more so that's three times now uh that we're candace at the candace three Candace reminisce reminiscing um which is great so miller jumps on the subway there are no windows on the subway since it's just rock uh on the around it so there's just ads <laughs> where the windows are thought that was a cool little detail um he gets to the blue frog. It's it's hot. They they make the atmosphere similar to Mumbai, so it's hot, and they like artificially pollute the atmosphere to give it the the to give it that feel of being a bar in Mumbai. It's very dark. There's lots of neon lights. Miller notes that the the bouncers are steroid enhanced, and that there's a lot of underdressed serving girls. So like your classic bar, just you know, just a classic bar, um, classic club vibe. Um, Miller takes care not to bump anyone. He bump into anyone. He kind of notes that the the bars on the side of the port uh, can be a little trigger happy. They can they, people can get into fights pretty quick. Um, it's that kind of place. He eventually finds Havelock. Havelock like sizes him up. And he's like what? And then notices that it's Miller, and he gets a little bit embarrassed. Um, they end up kind of talking and hanging out. And Havelock says it probably would be pretty easy to get into fight tonight. They kind of look around and. Miller notices that it's actually a lot of Earther and Marsers, and, and Havelock notes that uh, there is actually a security ship that has rotated out of Eros. That is the asteroid Eros. It's a very important location for this book. Uh, and that they are from a company called Protogen. Very important. Don't forget it. Um, <laughs> and yeah, that's why there's so many Earthers at the bar. The, they kind of continue this conversation. Havelock is, is clearly kind of drunk at this point. Um, I, this is a little bit confusing to me. Uh, Havelock Miller's like, oh, Havelock's here because he wants to get in a fight to impress Shadid, which doesn't check out to me. I don't think going to a bar and fighting people would impress my boss. I'm Checks not yeah. for sure <laughs> about most people, but it seems odd to me that that's something that that Havelock and Miller are both like, oh, yeah, yeah, he's probably fighting because he wants to impress our boss. I don't know. It doesn't really make sense to me. Um, but they kind of talk a little bit. Havelock and Miller, they, Miller gets them to leave. Um, they eventually end up going to this other bar, a cop bar, called the Distinguished Hyacinth, um, so that they don't have to worry about getting invites. And Miller's very happy with that. Um, they, ended up, they end up getting to this cop bar. They talk a little bit more. Um, Miller ends up giving Havelock the lowdown on the case shit he gave him about Julie Mao. Um, and Havelock kind of asks him, like, are you okay with that? And Miller's just like, yep, missed my job. So that's good for him. Um, Eventually, they, they kind of see some other cops that they know. They end up hanging out with them. It seems like everyone's a little bit happy again. But then we get our cliffhanger of this chapter, and we get a message, a broadcast from Shadid, saying that to, they've received an unencrypted message from the direction of Saturn, 
and that uh, if you are within earshot of a civilian, you need to get out of earshot so that you can listen to this message. And then the the message starts playing for Miller. Um, and the man is an earther, and he says that my name is James Holden. So we we officially have our bum, first bum, bum. connection. Exactly. It's very momentous. We have our first connection between uh, Jimmy, Jimmy Holden and and Detective Miller, James. which is very exciting. The message heard around the around, around the solar the system, solar. around the system, solar yep. world, mm-hmm. a huge message. Some are saying <laughs> many, many people are saying <laughs> many that this smart message, people. one of the biggest, one of the biggest messages. Yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So then we go back to Holden. We got We get to see what's this message about. Um, so, yeah, back on the night, Holden and co are, are trying to get back to the camp um, because it appears they they found a weird warm spot um, on the radar, uh, which they don't know what it is. They're speculating it could be a stealth ship, uh, could be anything. Um, but before too long, they get their answer. They see a huge infrared spike, and the ship uh, starts going after them. Uh, and then shortly after that, torpedoes are fired. So really, uh, really just ramping up zero to 60 from the stealth <laughs> ship here. I wonder why the stealth ship waited so long, because theoretically they could have. Uh... Yeah, I, I don't know. It just seems like they they should have attacked earlier. Dramatic, or could dramatic effect. I, dramatic yeah, that, effect. that part I, confuses me. Yeah, um, it, I mean, you think it aligns that with the plot the... more. It's a better story right. this way. Um but because yeah, if they didn't wait till the night left, then how would anyone have survived to, mm-hmm. to tell the world of these atrocities? Yeah, unclear. Maybe they were sleeping. Who knows? Um, <laughs> oh, shit, dude. There's someone there. There's someone at the ship. <laughs> wake up, wake up, Bill. Oh, no. Wake up, Bill. Yeah, that's. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to say that's official canon right there. But Probably. So torpedoes are fired, and they are flying. They're going to be there in eight minutes because torpedoes don't have to worry about the humans inside them. They're just going hard. Uh, so the they're, the cant is trying to figure out what they're going to do about this. Uh, and they kick Holden off the radio because he's like getting all antsy and wants to help. Um, but they don't let him. Uh, Holden and the, the team briefly talk about their own rescue plan. They're like, maybe we can divert the, the torpedoes with our own ship and quickly dismiss that because the torpedoes also have visual locks. So they'll know they're not just like dumb torpedoes that follow anything warm. They'll they'll try to hit their target um and plus then they might get blown up so they they quickly dismiss all of those ideas uh then holden opens up his channel again with aid uh his his lover and tells her to open up the channel so he can hear her hum uh she does leave the channel open but but does not do humming um (laughs) but uh he does like to listen to her breathe uh while while doing this (laughs) that is a way to put it that is a way to put it Uh, holden's kind of a freak (laughs) <laughs> uh they decide they decide their best course of action is to is to kind of go to the can as quick as possible um and uh and just help after the torpedo hits so that they, they go on the juice what it's called that's it's basically amphetamines i'm pretty sure um and some like anti-nausea stuff to to help them stay awake when they're in really high g maneuvers uh and they they describe Holden's testicles being being held against his his thighs, which is also it's just odd. a pleasant uh, mm-hmm. a pleasant description there. I'd... You can really, you know, for for all the guys out there, you really can feel it. 
You can really you can just feel the testicles. Uh huh. Uh huh. Just feel them against your against your thighs. Yep, it's <laughs> great. It's really yeah. You know, really paints a picture. Paints a picture. Yep, really does. But uh, so while this is happening. Uh, the captain and Indeed are discussing the plan, saying, well, what if we just burned really hard right now? And she's like, you're going to break the ship. Uh, but they do it anyway <laughs> and uh, and break the a ship. A big, uh, big fuck it, we'll do a live moment yeah, here. Yeah, uh-huh. truly. <laughs> he is the uh, Bill O'Reilly of the ship right now. Okay. <laughs> I would, hopefully not. I hope not. Oh, no. Uh, <laughs> we don't want any Bill O'Reilly's here. <laughs> okay, that was unfair to Captain. Uh, <laughs> I nothing wrong. He seems like a good guy, and you say that about well, him. Well, he broke the ship, but I, oh, I, you, they had no chance, I guess. Um, so they they basically broke the ship, and they're now sitting ducks, kind of. Um, they can't do any hard burns or anything. Uh, so they he makes contact with Holden and tells him, "Yo." New plan, just hide behind a rock and broadcast an SOS so hopefully somebody comes and uh, maybe these pirates, because they, they think they're pirates right now, are going to, will like, let us be because they know that people are out there and know that they've been captured. Whereas if, if no one knew that uh, the cant was being boarded, they would just maybe slaughter them all and take the cant. Um, so, so that's the new plan. They they end up uh, coming out of the burn, um, in in turning around towards the asteroid, uh, and and during this time, um, the the torpedoes are are about to hit the camp. Uh, you get this moment where Aid is is counting down. She's she's literally counting down five, like all the numbers. <laughs> I know more than that, but. Um, and then the torpedoes hit, uh, Holden's screens go all, all blank, um, and he's like, where, where is the cant? What happened? He asks Alex, and Alex gives him the big old, uh, the cant's gone, they nuked her. They straight up blew the cant up into a cloud of vapor, Holden, like, resets all his, his controls, looks again, and sure enough, there's nothing, nothing larger than a softball out there. Uh, so Holden is, is flabbergasted, um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's a big, uh, big moment, big moment for my dude, uh, cause he basically listened to his, uh, his, his girl get, uh, nuked, which is just, just straight, just straight nuke, 25 kill streak, just boom, gone. Yeah. And then um, immediately Holden, you see his, uh, his wild card flip on here. He's just acting out of instinct, uh, flips on the comms. <laughs> aims the the target not the targeting laser the comms laser at the the ship that just blew him up which seems like a bad idea a weird move <laughs> like a very like strange move like this there. is not something that a normal like a normal person's brain wouldn't go here it wouldn't yeah. it wouldn't do this like hey hello you kill i'm gonna send you the faces of my dead friends <laughs> to you um you with the weapons and the stealth ship and you, the nukes. You with the weapons. You're and then, then we're mess. just gonna see what happens. Like, oh, hey, I'm someone that witnessed this and I'm still clearly alive and clearly have a ship. Did they, did they explain why they you. don't just blow them out of the sky there? I, I think they just say that they oh, kind they of turn wanted, around. They wanted the unrest, because that was kind of their whole 
I think that was kind of the yes, point of this. Right. They wanted yeah, right. like uh, yes. a war to be kind of started here. They wanted the Earth Mars um, conflict to start happening. Yeah. yeah we don't so, get that now, but yes, we do. That is becomes clear right. later. So yeah. so that's kind of what's going on there. So yeah, he basically sends him a message like, Hey, you can't just fly away, <laughs> you murderous son of a bitch. I love that. And then uh sends them the logs of every person aboard, which is yeah, and then immediately Naomi's there is like what you doing <laughs> and it's like you fucking idiot and why did you like do they that? don't seem to like that because they they do a targeting laser on them but yeah in the end decide to just fly away um and yeah that could have been that was a real bad move because if if mm-hmm. they weren't trying to start a war there like i yeah they they could have easily just blown them up we wouldn't um, have we wouldn't have a story. We wouldn't. Well, we may have a Miller story still, but we definitely wouldn't have a Holden story no, Holden. because he'd be, I mean, Holden's he'd be super the clue, dead. my guy. Holden I also is... want to point out I like the 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 use of the, the some of the phrases used about targeting lasers oh, yeah. and radars. There, I think Alex says something about how you could hit someone's butthole from like <laughs> from the other side of Mars or something, yeah. which I really respected and liked that line i was like oh yeah that, that paints a good picture uh-huh like i can <laughs> i, I constantly thing. dream about that and now i know it's possible <laughs> in the expanse well that's good yeah i like that but um yeah sorry you can continue just just Is nuts you... yeah and then so the rest of the team here's the news for the first time i'd say shed takes it the worst he's i like i don't want to call him like a baby here because he just witnessed the the um the murder of all his friends so like we're not like downplaying that but he definitely takes it the worst and is like uh visibly upset whereas everyone is definitely upset especially holden who's like very angry um but are are holding it together better um so uh no naomi has amos take him take shed down um but <laughs> and asks like holden hey what do you want to do now since you you are the captain uh, i mean holden immediately makes the great Another great suggestion here to fly after the ship that just <laughs> that just targeted them and blew up the cant uh, in their little uh, crappy uh, shuttle ship that can't doesn't have landing gear and uh, yeah can't fly in atmosphere. So uh, and Naomi immediately is like, no, we're we are not doing that. <laughs> that is a stupid plan. Um, and Holden actually, to his credit, is 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 grateful for this criticism and and heeds it um he doesn't uh really try to argue with her um he he kind of realizes he's being stupid um so they they decide to uh to just uh yeah not do that and just sit and and mind their their options but in the meantime he he had promised the uh, captain mcdowell he'd send sos out so uh him and alex are looking at the the transponder in the battery and they find a a martian engraving uh it says mcrn martian what is that what do you know what that means uh mcrn martian coalition royal navy i believe yeah, that sounds good uh we'll we'll call it that there's no way to look <laughs> this up so there's no way to open the book me. literally no possible zero ways way. um and holden's like aha and it, it should be said here that alex kind of like takes definitely takes offense to this Yes. Um, cause at first Alex even says, yo boss, I, uh, I've definitely seen ships like that in the Martian military and, and holding me immediately is like, oh, so Mars did this. And Alex is like, uh, what, uh, earth definitely had <laughs> ships like that too. If we had them. 
So yeah, right. uh, he's which is a smart take, which is a good take. Yeah, yeah definitely so. a good take. Um, definitely defensive, but uh, yeah. Then they find that engraving, and Holden uh, Holden decides to do his famous broadcast to the world. Uh, this is my name really is James weird. Holden, and my ship, the Canterbury, was just destroyed by a warship with stealth technology, which appears, which appears to be parts stamped with Martian Navy serial numbers. I missed some words in there, but but the, uh, the, the point is clear. Yes, <laughs> the, point, the transponder the that they picked clear. up from the scopuli, the battery is in the the like the serial number on the battery has MCRN mm-hmm. before the serial number. So I, I guess the implication is that oh, this was produced by Mars. Yeah. It wasn't made on Earth, and if I it was love... made on Earth, it probably wouldn't be in a Martian equipment. I guess I'm not entirely sure, yeah. but yeah, I mean, so we, we have another. You, you can open up like a battery here and it's going to have a china serial number i'm assuming i wouldn't be like this must be the chinese china. government but yeah, they uh they he definitely it definitely like insinuates that that mars did it or holden yes, does but then defends definitely. himself by saying oh, i didn't say mars did it later but yeah we'll get <laughs> that was i was hate great. him so much I it hate was you. great he just He's wants everybody worst. to know all the info oh i mean i just said that uh you know I, I implied you know i didn't actually i didn't imply anything i said the facts yeah i just reported the facts that, that's literally um, what he says classic you know, facts good guy are, he just thinks everyone should have the info exactly he's not really saying one way or another what he thinks he's hmm. just right he's putting that out there they were martian martian don't care about numbers on here martian martian serial numbers here uh you know the ship blew up uh th- those are two facts those are two <laughs> facts that's that's what that's what jimmy i like how everyone like now. every other character in the book and subsequent books calls him an idiot for this it's, it's <laughs> yes he's not really well regarded for this um this obviously is gonna be a big catalyst for the entire series and but it really it, it eventually makes james famous because this ends up getting broadcast to everyone. everywhere. Yeah, he turns everyone that broadcast to... power up. Yes, he he really monetizes his his personal brand here. Uh, he does a great job of that. Monetizes. And <laughs> he he got his name out there. So yeah, this is a you know this is kind of a classic moment from for the books moving forward, and it's it remains kind of mm-hmm. one of the main points of uh, a lot of things that happen in the series moving forward so yeah that is the end of the of the recap that we are doing for today that is the prologue through chapter five for those following along um a lot a lot of exposition a lot of introduction of these characters and kind of you know introducing some of the key concepts and people that we're going to be interacting with um in this book so we kind of reviewed some of the main the main group here we've obviously got holden and miller um the other main characters naomi amos shed alex um you really those are the o there my guy how do you say it amos 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 we'll, we'll see how it comes out we'll see how it comes out it just kind of might depend on my mood we'll see okay um amos yeah i guess i guess i kind of i kind of really strengthen that o. o. yeah i really do I, I make it really strong there oh i'm it. not sure Thank you. Um, so, yeah, there, there's a couple things like that we were going to touch on just to kind of go through them. We don't have to. This is kind of going longer than I thought, and we can we can kind of touch on some of this stuff 
uh, as you want and, and go through it. The some of the the I just wanted to get into a little bit of like what the the, the setting of the of the books is right now, um, mm-hmm. and yeah, kind of some of the relationship between Earth, Mars, and the belt. Um, the belt. So, like we said, uh, like like one of us said a little earlier, I can't remember who the the belt is kind of made up of a few major asteroids in the asteroid belt. Um, a few big state there's there's space stations essentially. Um, the big one being Tycho Station that is mentioned that becomes a a, a place that our characters go to later in this book, um, as well as some of the moons of of the outer planets. Um, mm-hmm. Some of the big ones: Io, Europa, Callisto. We we eventually travel to a lot of those later in the series. Um, I don't know the exact timeline. We have a timeline here. Um, yeah, but at, at one point, you know, Mars gets settled. The Moon and Mars at some point both get settled. By humanity. Do you want to go? Do you know a little bit more yeah, about that? So, that so essentially, bit? it's it's kind of insinuated that this is it's like again they don't give uh, they don't give hard dates as to when the book is taking place, but it's essentially our our regular timeline, um, and then presumably uh, some years in the future, maybe fifty, maybe a hundred. Uh, we settle settle Mars, um, uh, but and some other things go on, so we damage Earth's ecosystem. Uh, everybody's freaking out, which is kind of going on right now. Uh, <laughs> various nations focus their economies on space travel, which we're at the, I'd say, at the very beginning of right now. You see, you start seeing space corporations actually like making money, like SpaceX and stuff. Like, um, we're trying to get, uh, we're trying to make money in space. Uh, and eventually, I don't know if this is going to happen, but eventually the United Nations becomes a unified government of humanity. So Earth is now essentially all one United Nations, which I guess was kind of the point of United Nations, but it's not really like that. Um, it's very unlikely at this point in right, history. Right, definitely also. not. But but in this in this timeline, yeah, the Earth unites under a United Nations. So essentially Earth is one entity. Um, for, I mean, I'm, political entity. Yeah, yeah political yeah. entity, yeah. Uh, so eventually, much like uh, we'll call it America, uh, Mars uh, starts starts pleading for its independence for United Nations. UN is like, nah, uh, which makes sense. <laughs> uh-uh. We want to uh, tax you. We need to continue to tax you. Exactly. But uh, tensions start to grow. It starts building up. Um, then, like, where it's going to get to a war, it's not... They, it never goes into a full war, but... Uh, it's getting there and then uh, a yachter is that what you call them he's like uh basically a, a rich dude from mars who had some spaceships of his own which means you're it means you're kind of rich if you have a spaceship um it's yes. just basically yeah. just monkeying around with uh with engines and 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 drives and ends up uh ends up making the epstein drive which i think we talked about earlier is just a efficient form of space travel way more efficient than before it it kind of allows for for the exploration of the outer planets because you can go uh it's so much faster and longer than you could with the the typical drives they had of of yesterday and this kind of saves the conflict um because instead of fighting with each other mars is like hey you want to use this technology to go uh colonize the rest of the the solar system um so yeah they they basically exchange the, the epstein drive for independence from the un um which is pretty big moment uh and ever since then it's kind of the the cold war maybe not as intense but it's 
Mars and, and the UN are building up their their military. They both have tons of of naval ships, like I don't know, spaceships, naval ships. I don't know what you call them. Right. They they um, refer to they refer to the ships a lot in naval terms, and they refer to their space forces as navies, which makes sense. Which is, There's also it does make sense, but it's also I don't know. I feel like we'd call it them is, different things. Yeah. Right, we probably um, would. The Space Force. We could call it space the Space Force. Force. <laughs> right. So they they the end up... Uh, that I wanted to note that... The, yeah. Right, I think the Cold War thing is apt. It clearly is a Cold War now at this point in the book. It may not right. have been in the beginning. It's noted a couple times that Earth has a larger Navy than Mars. Yeah. But Mars has a more technologically advanced Navy. And right. so right now, the, the power... There is the power dynamic is that they're both kind of equally balanced. Earth has more ships Perfectly and Mars balanced. has more powerful ships. So that it that that is the it's the it is a classic Cold War in that neither could really knock each other out. Um because neither really has is that much more powerful. Mutual assured other. destruction. Yes yeah. is yeah. the is the thing here. But I guess yeah, so they start colonizing stuff like uh Ceres and um Ganymede uh the other moons we've mentioned um and yeah ganymede becomes the breadbasket of the outer planets they this is mentioned in later books but they that's where they grow all the food um I, I can't remember why it was ideal for that but it is and they'd set up light arrays and stuff uh and it you start getting uh belters so belters are people who we touch this are born in space um and this was, I'd say, 50 years ago or 100 years ago. So we're only like a few generations in. Actually, that's, that's quite a bit. Like 100 years is like three or four. 100 years is a long time. Yeah, if it was 100 years, I mean, that that's potentially three, three or four I mean, generations. Like three or four generations. So, yeah. yeah, so there's basically three or four generations now of of belters. So that's three generations of people being born in space, which is quite a bit. So that's why they're so... Like with each generation, and it's space, right? Like it's, it's not like you're being space. born somewhere else on Earth. It is a totally different. No, yeah, they're environment. Yeah, it describes where... them as is. Yeah, they are very different. Um, yes. So yeah, but then this era is largely like we're talking about, kind of the Cold War era, where Mars and Earth have both built up great militaries. Mars more, a little more technologically advanced. Earth more numbers. Um, so they're kind of just just both uh, mutually assured destruction, chilling. Um, then about 30 years before this point, um, the OPA is founded. Seems like it took a while, but I guess it makes sense. Um, and so that was the Outer Planetary Alliance. Uh, and it should be said that this is like, uh, I, don't know how to, I don't know how to put that. They aren't very uh, organized at this point, I should say. Yeah, um, that's true. I think that's fair. Uh -huh. They're uh, they're not. They're definitely not another government, and they're they're. Yeah, I, don't, I I I'm trying to find the right words to put it, but they're. I agree. It's hard to explain them because you don't want to get offensive or <laughs> or if fall into yeah language that uh is lazy and and uh you know just not appropriate for discussing this stuff. Right. They they are they have multiple. There's multiple factional leaders from, I think, what we understand. Right. Uh, we, we meet one of them in the coming chapters. Um, and they, they do have different goals. There are some of them, some of these OPA leaders. It's it's a organization in kind of, you know, a, a, they're organized in name only at the moment. Different leaders within the OPA want different things. And that's pretty mm -hmm. clear. Some of them want to become 
a, some sort of organized political body and and kind of form a nation yep. uh, under in the belt. Um, that one of the characters we meet that is one of his main drives. Um, when we when we get to the chapter where we get introduced to Fred Johnson, we learn that um, that is kind of one of the main things that he he is pushing for political power for the belt. He of course wants to kind of be at the head of that, but he but he that is one of his goals, and he's kind of driven by that. Um, some of the other more kind of less above board stuff we we they are it seems like the opa does have is involved in a lot of like criminal activity um all piracy smuggling stuff like that um they're it's mentioned that they are also um in some regards at least by earth and mars regarded as terrorists sometimes um you know uh, i don't can't really comment on that much but that's that's how it's kind of phrased as earth and mars feel about them so they they are a complicated group um in the context of the story and of course kind of to talk about in the context of real life so i think we'll kind of leave it at that it's a it's a young somewhat young organization that is trying to figure out how to best represent the people of the belt right. while also dealing with people that that take more extreme measures um within within their own action i guess right. yep um yeah so then uh i guess around 18 years ago amos burton departs earth he was born in baltimore right he's, an, he's an earth boy yep baltimore. Um, but like 12 years ago james holden joins the navy uh oh i forgot about uh but I can't seeing the word her name and in, in text is making me forget Avasar Avasarala Avasarala yeah Avasarala, Avasarala. Yeah. um we don't even get we don't under secretary introduced you in this book no you don't will. even see her nope. um I think they 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 did a good job of introducing her in the show in the first season I think that was the way to go um, Avasarala is probably my favorite character yeah, one of my favorite dope. characters at least yeah I love she's her dope. um. Ooh, yeah, I guess. So then, about uh, eight years, uh, seven years ago, <laughs> I'm just making up numbers at this point. <laughs> um, MCR surveys Phoebe and discovers interesting the proto molecule, um, which we'll we'll get to. Obviously, we could talk about it now, but we'll just get to the, it. Yeah, the the Martian government. And also the Martian government approaches Protogen as a co-sponsor to a long-term facility to investigate this molecule. Uh, then, Nothing again, about that. five years ago, James Holden disarmed and be charged from the UNN, which is the United Nations Navy, and joins the the Perklun Water Company, which is... <laughs> Come on, you know this. You can do this. The Pure and Clean. Pure and Clean per Water Clun. Company. It's a, it's a play Clun. on the word. Clun. If you say it any other way, you're wrong. <laughs> Per, oh my god. <laughs> water, <laughs> water company. Um, which is the Canterbury. He's on that Pure and clean. Thank you very much. Per and Klon. That's I hate that. That's how you would say I, it in Dutch. Per I don't respect Klon. that. I truly don't respect that. Everyone like that. No, no one like that. Okay. Um yeah, that's that's a, a kind of a brief timeline. Um a quick thing, a quick last thing we want to touch on is series, one of the main uh, spots in, in this in this first book um it's the first asteroid that was discovered by humanity interesting 
Um, yep. they, in the book series, the, it was the first, uh, human colony inside the belt. Um, Tyco manufacturing, one of our, one of our, uh, mega corps in this world. Yep. They spun up the asteroid, which, which means literally spun it, like spun it in a circle to give it gravity. Um, the gravity is 0.3 G's. I have no idea if what that means. I'm assuming it's, it's very uh, little. Wait, we is have it one, 0.3 right? G's? Earth has one, right? Yes, it Earth is 0.3. Is, Earth is one G. Yeah, so it's a third, yeah. a third of a, a third of, of what you would feel on Earth. Yeah, uh, almost a third. Um, Close. Yes, there's approximately six to seven million residents uh, on Sari Station. Um, there's approximately 800 to 1,000 ships that dock on Ceres nice. uh, every day. Um, that that causes the population to kind of go up and down, and, and that's the the population of Ceres kind of supports the the work of kind of making sure that the that the station stays alive and, and stays working well, and that the ships are able to you know get up and go and, and maintain orderly operations. Um, it, originally, Ceres was under UN control. Um, they well, actually, I mean, they're they're under UN control right now, technically, right? Yeah, in later books, they come off of right UN they control, technically but, yeah but yeah they're under un control right now and star helix is the company that is uh contracted to handle the policing and military stuff on on series so um the other thing i wanted to know from the book a little bit more on the the function of series in this in solar system at the moment um the trade trade is happening uh and series is kind of a main hub of that um the book says Platinum, iron, and titanium come from the belt. Water comes from Saturn. Vegetables and beef from the big mirror-fed greenhouses on Ganymede and Europa. Organics from Earth and Mars. Power cells from Io. Helium-3 from the refineries on Rhea. And I don't actually know how to pronounce this moon. Iapetus? I'm actually not familiar with that one. Um, uh, yeah, something like that. And then, yeah, so, so there's a lot of trade happening coming from coming from earth and mars stopping at the belt to go out to the colonies and then also obviously the way that colonies work um in <laughs> our world and in this world as well is that the natural resources flow back to uh kind of the yeah. earth and mars the, the the mother nations i guess we could call them so so that's that's series function there are other asteroids and stations but series is the biggest and most important True. So I think that will just about wrap it up for us today. We've we've been talking for for quite a while here, actually. Um, we we do have one more topic to go over. We have to give our Mal Quikawa of the Month award um, to a character from the from the first from the prologue through the first five chapters. Um, we have something written down. I'm actually going to change it up a little bit. I think we should both put forth an employee and then discuss. Uh, okay. Employee of the month. So this and, is hard. It is um, hard because there's not a lot that goes on. So I, if it were up to me, this is kind of like the LeBron thing. So LeBron should win MVP every year. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, but okay, he doesn't. Go on. Go on. So I'm going to draw a parallel here. James Holden is the LeBron of this story. He should yeah. win every Maugatowski, Kwiatkowski Employee of the Month award. But, um... Wow, shade to my boy Miller. Unbelievable. What did Unbelievable Miller do? Shade. He just drank and was sad in his, his apartment, my guy. Hey, <laughs> man, that, there's, that is respectable. That, that's, he is a man of the people. That's not employee of the month. Um, <laughs> maybe in subsequent episodes, but uh, no, Miller, definitely not. You could, I think the only other person you can make a case for is, I think, Naomi. Naomi. Um, Fair. 
because she yeah like we said she keeps holding from doing stupid things and yeah. is uh who's your choice? Who's your pick? the most who's your competent pick? person in the world so i i'm i'm choosing naomi wow all right that's a good choice you already know my choice i wrote down here my choice is it's got to be the one and only julie mao she kicks off her story it's noted that she beats yes. the crap out of a few people before getting absolutely crushed by a gauntleted fist um and Not then great. put in that closet however she does end up um finding the the weird mud like creature that seems to um simply eat and absorb his his enemies um and yeah she, she kind of kicks off the the story miller she's like she's so cool and hot that miller's like i will can only think about you for the rest of my that life that hasn't happened I yet i know but <laughs> <laughs> we know it's coming so you know i i think that i think that it's clear that the employee uh, of the month has to be julie mal no so, all she did was get captured and pee herself in in the hole. Dude, for I didn't months. want to talk about that. I was like, <laughs> "There's so much peeing in the beginning." I'm like, "I'm not. I don't want to say There's this." So I'm going to talk like, a lot about and immediately exit out. They're like, "I don't want to hear this guy talk about peeing all the time." Like, I just don't want to hear it. But I yeah, do. they are. They have a weird thing with uh, some bodily functions. They're into water they're all, sports. They're into water sports. They're very horny. It's a horny book series for sure. So we will continue to point that out because it's fun to point out. And that's a wrap on our very first episode. You can find us at the guys who did this on Facebook and Instagram at guys who did this on Twitter. Uh, you can support the show at the guys who did this on Patreon. And if you have a correction, comment, or question, you can email us at the guys who did this at gmail.com. And the music for this episode was Racing Light by Kilobyte from Night Mode Records. And with that, have a great week, everyone. We will see you next week.